Now you think about this. I mean, I've thought about it. I don't. I'm maybe you have too. But I've been, of course, the last few years, not because I'm getting older, but because I'm getting hopefully a little more smarter. Thinking about the fact that, and the Lord spoke this to me. Oh, I don't know. Let's see. I've been in the ministry 37 years. I think I'd been in the ministry about 30 years and the Lord spoke to me and said, I put a lot into you. It'd mean a lot to me if you'd finish your race. And uh, he said, I'm still putting stuff in you. And so that was uh, seven years ago. So how much more now? And the older I get, the more I see the value, not of just me, but any of us who love God with all of our hearts all of you that are sheep that come regularly and uh, you're good sheep here and you have a, a good report from not only the Father but from me as your pastor. And uh, you come diligently, you come faithfully, you come humbly, you come to learn, you come to respond, you come to be do your part. See, you know, the, what, what kind of value? I mean, there's no value I can put on that except, say, five stars, ten stars. Because there's a lot of people in the earth doing a half-hearted deal of whatever they do and half in, half out, half committed, and things like that. So the longer you live on the planet and doing the will of God, the more important you become to God because your witness and your ability to witness and help others becomes more vital. So I'm just seeing that the, you know, and we can see, you know, in the natural world, in this natural world, when people get old in our country, there are some exceptions, don't be offended. We kind of put them away somewhere. They get too old to be of value in our society sometimes. This isn't always the case, but pretty much the way I see it. Dishonor the old people. Who are they? They don't know nothing, you know, but they know a lot more than you think they do. Not even spiritual people, but how much more spiritual people that are old? My gosh, 40, 50, 60 years of ministry. I mean, they know stuff that people hadn't even thought about yet. And uh, I'm just thinking, I was thinking about as we get older. And so, we, we, we've got this, and so we've got a mindset that when we get older, this is what I'm going to say, we, we're, we're slower, we're more feeble, we're less important, we're less productive. And see, the Bible's just the opposite of that. Yes. Even the Bible didn't even consider you to be an adult until you were 30. You know, couldn't even be a priest. Of course, you know, it's, we're in the New Covenant, but I'm just pointing out some things. Moses did his greatest exploits when he was 80 to 120. So did Caleb when he was up in his years, and Joshua too, and there's others in the Bible. Hallelujah. So we've got a lot to learn to reverse our, our way we think about things. You know, we, we've got this hip, modern 2010. We're educated. We're sharp dressers. We're articulate and just full of nothing but foolishness. And the devil even, some of them, on TV, trying to tell us how to live our life. Oh, my gosh. And people buying into it. You got real estate people. We're going, to sell, we're going to tell you how to be a millionaire in six months. Well, they don't know nothing about you, you know, or anybody else they're talking to. How can they? <laughs> That's silly. Some people don't qualify to be a millionaire. And if they were, they'd lose it all because they couldn't get it to begin with. Because they don't have the character to do that. Yeah, praise God. I, 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 got, I got some things to say tonight. So anyway, 2 Timothy 4. <laughs> 2 Timothy 4. Verse 6. I am now ready, Paul says, and this is when he's older, getting ready to go home. 
I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Notice that I am, re- I am now ready to be offered. Didn't say anything about God right there. It says, I am ready. Say, I am ready. See? Now, we're not telling you to say that like you're ready, but to say, you know, the point is that Paul said he was ready. See, this is what I'm trying to get over to you. And the time of my departure, he made the time, my departure is at hand. You know, I know when I make reservations, and I do a lot, or Sean does, or Dennis, or Pastor Dennis, whoever runs that for me. And, you know, they say you're going to be at the airport at such and such a day. Your plane departs at such and such a time, so you back it up 30 minutes. That's when they board. Then i got to back it up another hour to be there early, and yada, 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 and how much time it takes me to get out of bed. And, and, I, and, and that's my departure. I made it. God didn't make that plan. The devil sure didn't make it. That's my plan. I paid money to do that. That's my departure. I made all the reservations. Somebody did at the hotel wherever I'm going, some foreign country. I already got a reservation in Mexico in a couple weeks. and I got my airlines reservations are made and different airlines I'm going to be on and what time every plane leaves, what time is going to arrive, yada, yada. See, I made those reservations. You didn't make them. God didn't make them. The devil didn't make them. I made them. See what I'm saying? Or somebody in my behalf. So he says, now I'm, I'm ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. Here's the key. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Finished my course. The course God gave him. I have kept the faith. He kept the faith all the way through. He kept the faith. Ah, people made fun of me for 35 years over teaching on faith. I don't get it. And faith is the victory. You'd think they would encourage me to teach it better and more and stronger. And yet they've attacked me over it. See, faith is key to keep you in your race and keep you in the things of God. So we're showing you here, this is what I want to say. You have the right to come to the end of your life and you could say, I'm now ready to be offered. It didn't didn't say, well, now God's calling me home. That doesn't say that. You're not going to find that in the Bible. You know, we had this mentality, and I went into some of it this morning. I don't know where we got it, osmosis or something, or preachers helped us, that when your ticket's up, your ticket's up. Well, that's kind of, that's pretty shallow thinking, really. There's nothing scripturally to depict that. So we want to be biblical. We want to be scriptural. And all of us have the right. I didn't say all of us will do this, but all of us have the right to. It's our scriptural right to come to the end of whatever we're doing and say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course, and I kept the faith. So if he kept it, then he's going to die in faith too. How many are listening to me? Now, you know, I'm a pastor. I've been a, I've been a man of God a long time, and I've had people that died on me. They, they, one, I'm thinking of one person. They said, you know, Pastor, I'm tired of this. I'm done. And I said, you know, of course, I'd already been ministering to them for a couple years. And they said, I'm just done. And I tried to talk to them, and they said, no, I, I love you as a pastor. You're a good man, but I'm done, pastor. Will you talk to me about heaven, how to die in faith? I said, well, sure I will. It's uh, you know, difficult to do that because I, I really wanted that person to stay. I thought they had a lot of value, but they, they were tired of fighting. Their bodies beat all up tar, you know, cancer three or four times, and a mess at home, and living in that, and a marriage that's sour and bitter and unfulfilling, and... I could say a lot more. Watch what I'm saying. Anyway, so 
I said, all right. And so I, 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 I talked to him and then I just kissed him on the forehead and I said, I'll see you on the other side. Hallelujah. Don't get sad on me. But the point is that you don't have to go that way. But see, here's what I told you this morning. If you're unhappy and you're disappointed and discouraged now, then that's going to be a deterrent from you listening to what I'm going to tell you and for you finishing your race. See, you're going to have to want to live your life. You're going to have to want to finish your course. You're, some, somehow, and it's not going to be me, but somehow the Lord and your, your receptiveness to Him is going to have to get on the inside of you that you want to finish his race, not just your deal, but his deal. If you're on your deal, you may not make it another 10 years. I don't know. That's between you and the, you got to pay attention to me. You got to finish your course. All right. Let's go to Psalm 91. You learning anything yet? We have the right to believe, to finish our course, keep our faith and fight a good fight. And if I fought a good fight, that would mean the other guy lost. You know, in the natural, we're talking about the devil here. We're not talking about fighting people. That'll get you, that'll get you dead quick, fighting people all the time and uh, things like that. But we're in Psalm 91. We'll look at verse 14 through 16 again. We read it this morning. We'll read it again. It says in verse 14, Psalm 91, 14, Because he set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I'll set him on high, or her, because... He or she hath known my name. And I looked that up in the Hebrew and got some other uh, translations. It really meant this person had personal revelation of God in their life. It was a personal, intimate relationship. He shall call upon me, verse 15, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. We're not saying you won't have trouble. We're not saying you won't be challenged. Sometimes the devil will challenge you. You're you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it this time. I'm not going to let you live. Well, that's when you need to stand back up and spit in his eye and say, uh, you better back up away from me because I'm going to roll over top of you. And you're not going to do it physically just because you you know, you're aggressive, but you can do it through the Word of God by fighting the good fight of faith and releasing words of faith against him and for you and picking up you know, your faith life. How many are listening? And he says, there might be trouble, but I'll be with you and I'll deliver him. Verse 15, the latter part, I will deliver him or her and honor him. Boy, if God honors you, it don't matter what anybody else does. If God honors you, you'll be honored. With long life will I satisfy him or her and show him or her my salvation. And we said before, the word satisfy means fullness in every area. I'm repeating some things for understanding purposes. You could live a long life, but if you're not healthy and you're not mentally alert, I mean, there would be, that would not be a satisfying existence. You know, having somebody have to change you all the time because you can't go to the restroom, all kinds of tubes in you and stuff. We're not making fun of that. People, somebody's got to do that for some people because not everybody's willing to do God's plan. Not everybody, and God's not the culprit. He's not putting anything on anybody but blessing. I came to give you life, Jesus said, and life more abundantly. But I'm just saying, you, don't, you could begin to think like this. You want, you want longevity, but you want satisfaction. You want fullness in every area of your life. Your body's healthy. The organs are working. The, 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 the lubricants are in all your joints. Praise the Lord. Uh, you, you, you're in the Word. And like we just sang, you realize He took it away. He took it away. He took it away. All your sickness and pain and different things like that. And it takes time. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. It takes you time to get that in you. 
You know, if you haven't heard that, if you haven't been in a church that teaches like we do, a strong healing message, it, you know, you come, you're conflicted because you hear me teach it. You see, I'm showing you from your Bible and yet you had all this other preconceived ideas in your head about your mama and daddy and your grandma and grandpa and how they went home and how they didn't survive and they didn't make very good. And, you know, the devil just ravaged your family perhaps. And your relatives made very unwise decisions about how they ate, and how they thought, and how they talked about other preachers, how they criticized other men and women of God and other neighbors and this all, the whole gambit of just being a negative. And I showed you this morning in James, God said all that boasting is evil. You start thinking you're in charge all of a sudden. You're in charge through God, but you're, you're, you see what I'm saying. We need to know that. So God wants to give us a long life and quality of life. Again, if you need surgery along the way, you need medication along the way, you need doctoring along the way, then get it. But don't settle that that's the way it's got to be all the rest of your life. <laughs> I was telling somebody, it might have been Donna. You know, there's a verse in the Old Testament that said there was a long war between the house of, of Saul and the house of David. Meaning the house of the flesh... Saul and the house of the Spirit, David. And the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. And the house of David waxed stronger and stronger. Sometimes it takes a little time to get your mind renewed. And some people never get it. They don't take the time to get in the Bible. Oh, they come to church, but, you know, that's it. Your Bible lays on a shelf somewhere. No, you're going to have to get in your Bible like I do and other people who are serious with long life. He's going, I've probably read that 45 times this week, that one verse right there. And looked it up again. I know what it says. I could quote it, but I looked it up again and read it out loud to myself in my kitchen. With long life, you're going to satisfy me. That was your cue right there. With long life, you will satisfy me. Let's say it together. With long life will you satisfy me. See, you've got to say it. And don't just say with long life, but with long life you'll satisfy me. You're laying up somewhere in some hospital bed and having your insides ate out with some disease. That's not, that's not satisfaction. That's not wellness. That's torment. That's damnation. That's destruction. That's the devil getting bolder the older I get. Just buckle up your seatbelts, beloved. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. <laughs> Something's happening to me and I like it. I'm getting ready to teach on the occult, so I'm already stirred up. Next Sunday morning, get ready. But here we are in Ephesians 6 because some people say, well, that's Old Testament, and it is. Psalm 91 is Old Testament. But how much more are we under New Covenant? It talks about long life and ways to get into long life. Hallelujah. I mean, if I wasn't motivated, I mean, you know, you, I, I just wouldn't stay. Let me put it to you different. If you're not motivated, you probably won't stay. And if you do, it won't amount to nothing. <laughs> what a deal. You know, just live 34, 40 more years, never win nobody to the Lord, never have any victory in your life. I mean, what's the point? What is the point? See, no, we got, we're motivated to serve God and get in His path that He has for our life. I've talked to you about this recently. And get strategic and get concentrated, get focused. 
What does God have for you to do? And nothing's forever except the Bible. There may be variations. Once you start serving him, you may serve for five years in a certain capacity and he tweaks you a little and wants you to go left a little bit and right a little bit or, you know, whatever. Be, be a, a sensitive to that. You can't just go on your own thinking unless your thinking's what he's thinking. But here, let's look at Ephesians here. This is good. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I love that phrase, this is right. <laughs> I'm going to teach on family. Mm-hmm. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, I've said this this morning, I want to repeat it, in the Lord. Would that mean your parents would have to be in the Lord or the, the, the thing they want you to obey is in the Lord? I think it'd be both. Now, if you have natural parents that aren't very spiritual, you should honor them. Listen to your man of God. You should respect them. You shouldn't be sassing and acting like a smart aleck. You might know more than them. You, you, some of you might know a whole lot more than them. Some of them may not even be saved. But the point I'm making is you should show respect. But I think this is talking about because you can't just blanket and say, well, you, 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 every child has to obey his parents. The parents may not be right. But I think there's a twofold meeting. I think there's a number one meeting, obey my parents in the Lord, my mom and dad, best I can when I was younger and stuff, and do my part to, get, to give them uh, obedience out of me. And they're trying to take care of me and do what's right by me. And, and then it's, but also I think it's a spiritual thing too. I mean, if anybody would be in the Lord, it ought to be your pastor. Obey, obey your parents in the Lord, me and Pastor Diana. And, and I've told you publicly, I'll tell you that the rest of my life. If I don't ask you to do something unethical, immoral, or illegal, you shouldn't have a problem with me. It shouldn't be a problem to obey. I can't make you obey. I'm not trying to, but I'm just showing you what this says. I'm going to show you the promise that goes with this. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with thee not sick with thee, well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. So there's a promise with your... Now, there's two things that stand out to me in verse 1 and 2. The first one is obedience and second, honor. You know, some people come to me and say, you know, I think I like that girl, I like that boy. And I say, well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't marry, I wouldn't marry them. They're not quality people. Get them in the church. Get them where I can scan them. I don't care if they just show up. But get them in a prayer meeting. Let me listen to how they pray. They got any ump on them or are they just playing around to get, get with you? Yeah, but I love him. I love her. Well, go ahead and tear your life up then. You just disobeyed. You're disobedient and you dishonored me. Or if I have to bring correction to somebody. You know, you all act sweet right now, but if I have to take you in the back room and say, you know, what's the matter with you? What's up with you? What do you mean, what's up? Yeah, what's up? You don't give me the runaround, the shucking and jiving. Or maybe you just don't see what I'm seeing, and then I point it out, and then you'd have to decide, well, I still like you, Pastor. I hate you, Pastor. I'm going to leave. Well, that's your call. You can be disobedient if you want. But you can't claim all these blessings down here. And I can't either. I can't claim it if I won't be obedient to those over me in the Lord. And I'm honoring them. 
Well, praise the Lord. I know it's quiet in here. You didn't expect that, but it's true. I'm not taking any of it back. All right. So here's the thing. We can see long life is associated with, with in part, my response to another human being. However you cut and dice that. Isn't that right? I mean, you know, our, our modern TV people now, they just, the smart aleks, the kids and everything, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them on TV just have no, no respect for their parent. I would have lost teeth over stuff like that. I'm not kidding you. My mom would take me down. She didn't matter how big I was as a teenager. She'd get something to help take me down if she had. All right. So it's your redemptive right to live a long, fully satisfied life, but you'll have to meet the criteria for that. We're not judging. Don't start judging everybody else, but you've got to get your mind off of somebody that you thought you knew was really living for God and just totally got took out. Don't, don't go there. You're not God, number one, neither am I. But I know one thing's for sure. Something wasn't right. What'd this say? It would be a well with you. And you could live a long life. So somebody gets hit by a train at 27 years old, loses their life. How many know that's not God? I don't know why it happened. There's a thousand reasons, a million reasons why probably things happen. But I know one thing, there's always a cause. And I know one other thing, it's not God doing the causing. <laughs> not when it comes to destruction. Hallelujah. We're not making fun of people that get in trouble, but I'm trying to keep you out of trouble. I want to see you run your race and finish your course and get before God someday and say, Well, Father, I did everything you told me to do. I, you know, hallelujah. Well, did you make mistakes? I, absolutely, you made a few. I have too. But at the same time, you won't probably be in remembrance of that. But you finished your course and you, you did your best as, as you could see it and knew it and whatever revelation you were walking in. All right, now let's go back to Psalm 90 a minute. I'm, I know I'm repeating a lot of things, but I'm doing it on purpose because I don't think people have heard this. Uh, a lot of people, you may have had some teaching. Uh, how long is long? They believe a long life. Well, how long would be long? I said, when I grew up, I don't know why I thought this. You know, when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, 25, I thought 40 was old. I thought 60 was really old. Now I'm 61, it don't seem old at all. And I found from my Bible, we used to quote this scripture. I did the same thing years ago out of Psalm 90, verse 10. That was my limit. But I found out that's not God's limit. See, you'll learn something from me right here. I'm correctable when God shows me something. Of course, people aren't even living up to this level because there's so much sin in the earth and strife in the earth and fear in the earth. And sickness and disease in the earth. And strife and everything. It's a wonder, you know, people make it that long. But, you know, we don't have to. We don't have to put up with all that. If we'll get in our redemption. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here, here it says, Psalm 90. This is, and I quote to you, I want to make it clear in the first part here before it even starts. It says a prayer of Moses. Well, I respect Moses, but he's not in my covenant. I'm in a better covenant. I mean, you've been taught well on that here. So whatever he's saying, we could have that plus. Amen. If something's better, then that would mean more. 
So he says in verse 10, the days of your years or our years are three score and 10, that's 70. And by reason of strength, they be four score, four times 20, that's 80 and so forth and so on. But now what I found out in studying this out, this was, this was Moses' prayer concerning them that were back in numbers when God said, you could take the land, this is your land, this is the promised land. We could say, this is your redemptive right. And they sent out the 12 spies. You remember the story. And they came back and 10 said, we can't do it. Oh, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. You know, we're like little bugs. They're going to stomp on us. And two said, we can do it. We're well able. But the 10 had the prevalent, the preeminence there and made the hearts of the people to melt. And they said, would to God, we just died out here in the wilderness. And God already told them, whatever you say in my ears, I'll do for you. But he's not out killing people, but they pronounced their own judgment and when you read through this psalm, you see that they just tore the, you know what, the tar out of their covenant. Violated things. I mean, the minute Moses left their presence, they're taking their clothes off and having a wild party. And then Aaron had the audacity to think that Moses was stupid. Well, I don't know what happened. They just, this golden calf came out of the fire. Yeah, and I'm Santa Claus. What's the matter with you? Sometimes believers tried to play me like that. I don't know what happened here. Oh, yes, you do. Don't, don't play me for a dummy. So this was, this, this was it. They, the ones that were 40 and below, he said, that generation is going to have to die out because only Joshua and Caleb had faith to go on in. So he had to raise up. So if you were 40, 40 more years would be 80. If you were a little younger, you know, 70. Or, and some didn't make it that long, you know. One day they had a big party and I think 23,000 got wiped out. Yeah, because they just refused to obey God. What a generation. Well, that's, that limits that to that because that was a specific thing. But let's go back to Genesis a minute, chapter, chapter 6. Now, uh, up till Genesis 6, people lived a long time. I don't have time to go into the depth of this, but we know that, you know, Adam lived 930 years. Methuselah lived 900 and something. Other men of women of God lived a long time back then but then there came uh, Genesis 6 and it says here uh, let me find my reference here Genesis 6 and 3 and the Lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he is also flesh and yet his day shall be 120 years so we can see from this this was God's Instead of being 70 or 80, this is telling us that man could live 120 years. Now, there were some that lived a little longer than that for a generation or so as that began to curve out and get in set. But here's what we're saying. You could live to be 120 if you chose to. Now, you know, if you, you thought about that, one of my pastors said to me, he said, man, I'm only 40. I said, man, you're only a third of the way home if you want to live, if you want to live it out. Instead of thinking he was halfway, he's only a third. Instead of me thinking, well, I'm two-thirds, no, I'm only half. I don't know that I want to live to be 120, but the point is it's available. Hallelujah. So we're talking about a standard here. We're talking about, and so it would seem that this is the approximate maximum years for a person to live. There's been people even in the near past that lived a lot longer than that. There's some people now in Russia and other places in the earth, remote places, live 130, 134, and different things. I don't have time to go into all that. But the point I'm making is you could live to be 120. 
How many are interested? <laughs> Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. I'm going to uh, debunk some things that, you know, that word means to uh, show that this is foolishness the way people sometimes interpreted this scripture, Hebrews 9, 27. I want to talk to you about that a minute. and then. Uh, so we're finding we could live a long life. I mean, you know, praise God. You need to get your sights up a little higher. <laughs> Willard Scott. Yeah, he interviews those older people, every, I think, every day. Oh, all of them are 100 and over. You know, he interviews them on one of those morning shows, you know. Yeah, and tells about them. They like Smucker's Jelly or something. <laughs> I don't know. One lady said, well, what do you attribute your long life to? 111. Well, I eat cereal every day. <laughs> I just think that keeps things moving. I don't know that that prolongs your life. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But she was probably just thinking currently what she did. I'll just let that, leave that alone, okay? Hebrews 9, 27 says, And as is it appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Notice that is appointed unto men once to die. didn't say there was an appointed time uh, to die. It said it was appointed once to die. Some people read things in here that's not in here. I showed you today... And I, I, I want to make mention of it. I won't have you turn there for time's sake because I need to move ahead with some new material here. Uh, but I wanted to read again from Proverbs 10. Uh, what did I do with my sheet here? Proverbs 10, 27. Because this, in relationship to this verse right here in Hebrews, it says, If you respect the Lord, Proverbs 10, 27, the, the King James, I think, says, Those who fear the Lord prolong their days. And, some, and the ones who are wicked shorten their days. But it says here, if you respect the Lord, you will live longer. If you keep doing wrong, your life will be cut short. Obey the Lord and you will live longer. The wicked die before their time. Well, that, you, you shouldn't identify with that if you're not wicked. But here's another clue to it, before their time. I want to show you something here. Go to Ecclesiastes with me. I think we looked at this this morning, but I want to look at it again. Ecclesiastes 7, 17. Somebody say, Pastor, we have to look at these scriptures. All these, you get to. Because I tell you, this has been so not taught. It's the first time in my life I've taught it, and I've been saved almost 40 years. I never really studied it out until the last couple of years. I started getting some more insight into it, and God began to deal with me about studying it out and seeing more in the word about what the word really taught about it. And so this tells me if I'll respect the Lord, the things of God, my Bible, the church, my pastor, the one over me in the Lord, etc. And I have somebody over me in the Lord. Plus Proverbs 3 deals with that. Chapter 3, you know, in, in wisdom, it talks about having wisdom in her left hand or riches and honor and life. And, and it, one translation says long life. So if you don't have wisdom, you couldn't have it. But you see, you're responsible whether your life gets lengthened or shortened. Hallelujah. And one of the major things is thinking right. Hallelujah. You know, I don't think Bob has a hard time now. He's 77 years young. He looks trim. He goes and ministers at the jail two or three times a week. He, he's still in love with his beautiful wife after 57 years. They, they just have heaven on earth out there in Corydon. 
She's smiling. They're both waving, so that must be true. So why would you think about going? Got all your bills paid off? Got a car paid off? Got a house paid off? Praise God. Hey, come on, somebody. Starting to live now. Loving God, loving people, reaching out to humanity there that needs help. You know, if you're in jail, you need help. And so we're here in Ecclesiastes 7.17. It says, be not over much wicked. I'd like to rephrase that. Don't be over anything wicked. (laughs) Neither be thou foolish. And he says, wickedness and foolishness. He says, why should you die before your time? Now that means, in other words, what that's saying, there's not an appointed time per se, but why would you die before you filled out your time down here? Why would you die before you've lived your life out and lived out the plan and finished your course? That's what he's trying to say here. But that indicates what? You could. You could die before your time. I said you could die before your time. You know, I've had the unfortunate uh, experience sometimes of uh, burying people that were way too young to go. But, you know, I don't know anything about their background unless the Lord showed me. I'll be careful what I say here. But I know that sometimes there was things in the background I didn't know about. And different things that they had involved themselves in or did or their parents did or their grandparents or all kinds of different things that could have occurred. And wickedness and foolishness resulted in that. They died before their time. I said they died before their time. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I want to figure all that out and move, move beyond that. Move beyond that. Let's go to Numbers 23. Did we look at that today? Maybe we did. Numbers 23.10, I think we may have. I'm giving you a lot of verses. I'm getting ready to get back in the New Testament here in just a minute. So hang with me a minute. and We'll get into some new material we haven't really discussed before. Numbers 23.10 and then we're going to go to Genesis 40, 49, 33 in just a minute because it tells us about Jacob, Jacob's death in the Bible, the Bible Jacob, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who can count the dust of Jacob? That means his offspring and the number of the fourth part of Israel. Let me die the death of the righteous. So that says to me there's a right way to die, to die righteously. Let me die the death of the righteous. Now, you've got to learn to die the death of the righteous. You know, if you live out your life, you're going to die someday, you know, unless the Lord comes back for us before then. But I remember they told about F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth when he died, and I think T.L. Osborne went to see him. I think I got the right person. Anyway, he came in the room and he said, Praise God, Brother Osborne, I'm going home today. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Man, I'm going home to heaven. And that's dying the way of the righteous, isn't it? I know Brother Roberts, Oral Roberts, you know, he was 91 or 90-something recently. And they said they, I don't know, maybe his son Richard or somebody, they went to get a bite to eat. I don't remember. They came back. He could have been in the hospital room. I don't remember all the. But anyway, he was singing at the top of his lungs. And he said, come join me and sing these songs. Singing those songs out of those old tent meetings that he used to conduct. Talking about Oral Roberts. Just singing, singing, singing. He said, well, there's Jesus. Bye-bye. Brother Kenyon was at home with his daughter, Ruth Kenyon. When he passed away, 
he was 90-something, and he told her the day before, he said, I'm going home tomorrow, Ruth. Well, Daddy, you know, she thought maybe Daddy getting a little something. He said, no, I'm going home tomorrow, 10 o'clock. He got up and had breakfast, went and sat in the rocker in their little room there, and she was in there with him. He said, well, there's Jesus. It's 10 o'clock. See you. Bye-bye. Left. That's dying the death of the righteous. <laughs> no tubes everywhere hanging out. No drugs. <laughs> no catheters. Oh, come on, somebody. I would think you'd get more excited about no catheters. Now, I know you think, Pastor, you're just dreaming. Well, just let me dream on. Don't fool with me, man. I'm dreaming scripturally here. I'm trying to help you to dream a dream. I know you're too, you're too analytical, some of you, and some of you too medical. I remember I had a guy in my Bible study years ago. He was studying to be a doctor, and, now you know, I was teaching faith, and after about three or four months, he said, man, i got to quit. I can't handle it. He said, I found out too much about the body. And if it's just one little thing gets haywire, the whole thing starts affecting everything else. See, he was learning about the uh, anatomy and all the physical parts and how everything needs to be tuned up exactly, humming along, I call it. And he's realizing, man, just one little glitch, we got issues. And he couldn't handle that. He couldn't handle it mentally. He said, i got to step away. I said, well, you won't be a good doctor if you're going to have to feel in fear all the time. You ought to step away if that's what you feel like you got to do. Well, moving right along here. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. Talking about Jacob. Let's go back here. Genesis 49, 33. I'm going to read it again to you. You ought to study this and think about it. You know, if you wait to think about how you're going to go until you go, you're way too late. You're way too late. Now, we want you to stay around as long as you could and long as you want to and be a help to us and be a help to the kingdom and be a help to Jesus. Genesis 49:33 it says and when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons or he prophesied over his sons and his grandsons actually the preceding chapter he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people what a way to go just laying in bed just pulled the covers up bye bye <laughs> I love it think about what we're saying I know most people don't do that but this is this is he said, let me die the death of the righteous and let me be like Jacob at his last. This is what Jacob did. He, he, did, he, did every, he said what he needed to say. He had everything in order. Prophesied to his kids and grandkids and said, goodbye. Gathered up to his... He, he, notice it said, he yielded up the ghost. He, I didn't say God didn't receive him, but didn't say God took him. He yielded up the ghost. He yielded up. She yielded up. Get your terminology straight in your head. I know most people don't believe that, but it's Bible nonetheless. And we are Bible people here. We should be. Let's go over here to Philippians. I knew you wanted me to get over there. Thank you for your encouragement. Philippians chapter 1. Let's look over here at a man named Paul. And uh, <clears throat> the fact that he had a desire to depart, but he decided to stay. I'm over in Philippians chapter 1. How many know Philippians in the New Testament? And it says here in verse 21 and following, Philippians 1, 21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I said to die is gain. 
Now, on our side of it, looking at somebody that went, that's not, we're not, it's not gain to me. And I've had some people that I really, really loved a lot, and they went on, and I, I wasn't too thrilled about it, but to them it was gain. I don't ever forget that. They shouldn't have went that way. They shouldn't have made those decisions, whatever. They should have done, you know, whatever. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying they didn't go home the Bible way. But nonetheless, to go to be to die is gain for them. You need to not not forget that. I said you need to not forget that. Some of you buried your children and different things like that. Listen, I know that's a tragic thing. I know that's a hard thing to get around. But here's the other side of it: to die is gain. You know, all of these children, and some of, and in our modern day, probably, you know. I don't even know. Maybe, maybe 10 or 12 ladies here tonight have had abortions. Or maybe a miscarriage. There's a little difference there, but still they're both gone. But you'll see those babies in heaven. Or maybe some of you guys took somebody to get an abortion. You're going to see those children in heaven. Moving right along here, to die is gain. Now don't get depressed on me. Stay with me. We're talking about from the other side of it now. The other side of it, to die is gain. I know Donna, you know, her son, Tony, and, and of course I got close to him as he, you know, he was sick at the end there, quite, quite sick. and Mom and Dad took care of him, and I, he, he and I got closer. We weren't close normally before that. I mean, he didn't dislike me, but we just didn't know each other that well. And I came, Paul, you remember, came, had some good talks with you and him together in the hospital and different things and came to the home. And anyway, he got saved and got born again and he just, he just got weary. He just got tired of fighting. He was dealing with the major issues and he just went on home. Well, for him, it was gain. See, don't catch on to the other side of this. No, he didn't fulfill everything God had, and that's on his side of it, but he did make it, and he did gain. <laughs> okay. He says, verse 22, but if I live in the flesh, isn't that an interesting statement? You can live without your flesh. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I want I choose not, for I'm in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Now there's another far better. Far better. <laughs> far better. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, oh man, oh man, gain and far better. You know, when you go to a funeral, remember that. I know we're emotional when we go. I'm, a, I'm an emotional person. I have emotions. I, I, they squirt out of me sometimes, but I don't live by them. Used to. I don't anymore. But I got them. I'm, I'm, I can be a highly emotional person. What are you saying down there? <laughs> watch what you're saying. What are you saying? Yeah. Yeah, we were sitting there last night watching Gaithers, you know. And nobody's saying nothing. <laughs> you know, praise God. That gospel quartet's not my greatest thing. But anyway, I, I appreciate Bill Gaither's got a good heart and he's got a good uh, ministry. And those people blessed me last Not every song they sing doesn't bless me, but boy, they... <laughs> oh, Sandy Patty, Larnell Harris, I've just seen Jesus. <laughs> I was there with them. 
I was crying. I was just enjoying it. <laughs> Jesus. You guys want me to sing, don't you? Yeah, you have to wait for another time. So Paul said he didn't know which way to go here. He had a desire to depart, which was going to be far better for him. I know what he's talking about. I wanted to let go when I was about 38. <laughs> I had a lot of physical issues, and I was tired of being in pain and tired of not being able to sleep well and 14 years of it. So before you think it was a weekend deal or something. And I just said, Father, I'm tired of this. I, just, I think I'm going to come on home. And then, of course, I started thinking about it. and I, got, I read these scriptures. <laughs> and, uh, you know, finally, after about two weeks, he said, and he talked to me, he said, you're going you're gonna to push this thing. You're going to come on home. Because you're starting to get your faith around heaven instead of staying here and doing what I'm telling you. And he said, if you want, you can come on home. But he said, you've got a lot of other things to do. Talk to me about my other child. He talked to me about my future. And, you know, he said, I'm going to let it be your call. I thought that's interesting. It validates this scripture right here. I had an experience where he said, oh, it's going to be your call, not my call, Michael. Praise the Lord. I don't think most people believe that, but I, I know it's true because Paul, whatever he got, we can get. And then, and then he goes on to say, though, verse 24, look at your Bible. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. So he said, it's going to be more needful if I stick around for your benefit, not mine. And, and, and I'm confident of that, and I've decided to do that. And I'm sure that there's going to be furtherance of faith and furtherance of their joy of faith because I stayed. Hallelujah. And I believe that too because I stayed. I believe that's working for me. Hallelujah. So we're talking about some things, you know, uh, uh, here that's real important. Let's go back to uh, Psalm 92 a minute. Give me just a few more minutes and I'm going to let you go. But, you know, you won't see this on CNN tonight. You probably won't even hear it on Trinity or any of them. But anyway, praise the Lord, it's in your Bible. You can live a long life. And you can live a healthy life. I'm going to show you some keys here. This last section is on the uh, keys to living a long life. And there's some real keys here that go along with it. Psalm 92, verse 13. If I find that passage, let me show you one of the keys. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord, what would that be? The church shall flourish. We could say this, those that won't be planted in the local church will not flourish. I didn't say attend. I didn't say give an offering. I said those that are planted. You know, like, a, like you know, bushes and shrubs and flowers and trees and things. We got some nursery people here that own some sort of a landscape type of thing. And they could tell you, you just transplant things enough, you're going to tear the root system up. It's not going to stick anywhere. It's not going to produce any good fruit. You're going to kill that plant. And a lot of times that's what happens. People never get planted. They come to a church, but they never plant themselves there. See, I'm a long-term type of guy. I've been with Jesus now almost 40 years, been with her 37, been in this church 25. I'm a long-termer. Say what you want about me, but I'm a long-termer. And by the way, I never forsook anybody. I'm still doing exactly what God told me to do after 25 years. 
There's a lot of people came and went. A lot of people left me. A lot of people did me wrong, but that's all right. I'm still planted and I'm still flourishing. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. I appreciate that. I know you do, Father. I'm planted with Dr. Dufresne 18 years now with my spiritual father. I'm not jumping around to some new camp because I think I'm going to get promoted. I'm not running around to all the different groups trying to figure it out. God gave me one spiritual father and one alone and God willing, I'm going to stay with him the rest of my life. I hope he lives out his life so I can follow him. Yeah, praise the Lord. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord will flourish Look at verse 14. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. What kind of fruit? Well, good fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faith, love. Fly, I'm going to curse you in a minute if you don't quit it. You better run for your life. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. You'll never have any more children if you fool with me. They'll still be fat and flourishing. What does that mean? Fat's not the belt size coming up or dress size going up. Fat means filled with oil in the Hebrew. You'll still be anointed with plenty of anointing on your life when you get older. In fact, more so than ever before because God can trust you. You'll be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright and He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in Him. In him. I remember Dr. Summerall, I don't know, he was probably in his 80s and he was crossing the road and somebody, they didn't think he was crossing quite as fast as he should have. They rolled the window down, beeped the horn and said, Get out of the way, old man. He said, I'm not an old man. And he wasn't. Dr. Dr. Dufresne told me a story. He was with him somewhere on the mission field and somebody was trying to help him up the steps. You know, he was coming up some steps like this. And some younger guys tried to, get away from me, I'm not an old man. <laughs> now, you know, you can think what you want to think. I'm not being judgmental, but I watch people, and I tell you what, there's the saddest group of humanity I think I've ever seen anymore, everywhere I go. They're limping, they're, they're getting out of their car. Now, if somebody's got something wrong with them, I understand that, but I'm talking about learn to stand up straight, learn to walk like you mean it. Learn to talk like you mean it. Learn to live like you mean it. You know, quit giving in to stuff. Yeah, giving in to, well, you know, I'm just not as spry as I used to be. Keep talking like that. You're losing all your abilities. Because you can have what you say. To show that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in Him. Hallelujah. Let me see where I'm at here. <laughs> I've got a lot of stuff here. Keys to Bible longevity, knowledge of God's will in this area. You're going to have to know it's God's will for you to live a long time. And then you're going to have to be planted in the house of the Lord. Now here's something else. Go to 2 Peter over here. 2 Peter a minute. Chapter, let me see, chapter 1. Let me show you something here. You know, when you get ready to go, when you get, when you get ready to go, 2 Peter chapter 1. You know, you'll know when you're getting ready to go, there'll be a knowing. Uh, There's other verses, one in Job, I think it's five, you'll go to your grave like a full shock of corn. That means when the whole thing's matured. 
And he says over here in Peter, Peter says this, I'm starting in verse 12 of 2 Peter 1, 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, talking about the things of the word, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it's necessary. It says meet here. That's an old word. Necessary as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly... I must put off this my tabernacle even as the Lord has showed me. Didn't say the Lord was calling him, said the Lord showed him. He's just about done with everything God had told him to do. Still, it didn't say the Lord was taking him. Get that out of your thinking. The only people the Lord ever took was Enoch and Elijah. He took them body and all. We just have to have a funeral for them later. You know, they're coming back sometime. They got to die just like the rest of us. That's if the Lord, you know, later on in the book of Revelation, they'll be back. But momentarily they got took up. So anyway, praise the Lord. So we're seeing some things here that are going to help us here. Let's look over here at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You learning anything? This is really the meat and taters of the whole thing, what I'm getting into now, just you to get thinking right. Because we need to see some things here uh, about <clears throat> what, we're, what we can uh, live out and what God is trying to help us to see some keys here to longevity. 2 Corinthians, where did, where did my reference go? I had it a minute ago. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 and following. I'd like you to see this here. Uh, it says, uh, we have this treasure... <clears throat> We have a treasure in earthen vessels, that's our bodies. We have a treasure in an earthen vessel, that's our body. We have, of course, we've been born again. We, the believers, have a treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power, ooh, I love that word, may be of God and not of us. So we have power and it doesn't, it doesn't originate with us, but it is, it, it is of God, but it's in us. Say, the power of God's in me. Now notice what he goes on to say. At least you get, don't get this fully. Watch this. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Quit talking about the trouble. Realize there'll be some challenges to things, but don't be distressed about it. Let me read on here. We are perplexed, but not in despair. You know, I don't know everything about everything. I don't even know everything about faith yet, but I know something. But even though I'm perplexed about some things, I'm not distressed. I'm not depressed. I'm not in, it says we're perplexed, but not in despair. Maybe you don't know some things how to work it out, but just stay in faith and God will work it out. Here, verse 9, persecuted, but not forsaken. I'm so thankful. Not to be persecuted, but to not be forsaken. If you think you're going to live by faith and live out the scriptures like we teach and like what the Bible really reveals and not get persecuted, you are sadly mistaken, my friend. People don't want to be challenged to live like this. They just want to live in any kind of mediocre type existence. Just give in to everything. And, you know, here's, here's the attitude in our modern day. You probably, some of you might feel like that. Now, well, I just need a hug, Pastor. Even if I gave you a hug, it ain't going to help you. You want to line up, I'll hug y'all and come by here tonight if you want. Side hugs for the ladies, but that's all you're getting. No, you don't need a hug. You need to grow up. 
You need to fight the good fight of faith. That's why you got a wife and a husband. If you need to hug, go to them. That's why you have babies, hug them. No, I'm talking serious to you. That's why, you know, our modern society, you know, just whatever. I just need a hug. You don't need a hug. You need faith. You need to learn to talk right, live right, live clean, deal with the devil, spit in his eye, resist him. He comes in ever so subtle and deceptive to tell you, you can't, you'll never, it's not going to work for you. That's, he's a liar. Don't believe him. Persecuted but not forsaken. I can remember people persecuting me, lying about me, malicious people. All <laughs> sitting in my home at times, feeling, feeling bad about the whole thing, then feeling mad about it and everything, and yet just got over the whole thing. Just forgave everybody of everything. God's still working in my life. I was persecuted, but I wasn't forsaken. <laughs> and proved out I was right after all. <laughs> like Joseph. Uh, cast down but not destroyed. Sometimes it looks like, you know, all of a sudden your, your head's where your feet used to be. Now, you don't need to uh, uh, owe up to that, but some of you felt like that. What happened here? Well, you know, if we're better being more sensitive to the Holy Ghost and praying better, and I'm going to talk about that Tuesday, we wouldn't, things wouldn't creep up on us normally, but even if something did come up and we weren't aware that was happening, we got cast down, but we're not destroyed. I said, we're not destroyed. Yeah. You know, I've been attacked in body before. I had to go to the hospital. I couldn't even breathe, couldn't even think. Prayed in tongues for four hours with no relief. I needed help. Give me a break. Wasn't like I tried to rebuke it for five minutes like some people. After four hours, I had to go to the hospital. Yeah, and I'm not ashamed to tell you that, but I determined I'm not going to ever be back in there for that again. Whatever that was. <laughs> Hallelujah. Always bearing about. Verse 10, are you listening to me? See, I, don't, I want to make it clear. Sometimes we can talk about living a long life, being satisfied. You think this is the way it's going to be. You're going to tiptoe. And then give somebody a hug and then run over here and give a hug, give a flower. Peace, baby. Boy, you're... You've been watching too much Oprah. Montel and all the rest of them on there. Crazy people acting. No, it says here, we're always bearing about, verse 10, in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, all of Jesus, might be made manifest in our bodies. That's what I claim every day. The life of Jesus is being manifest. I don't meditate on the death part. You know, I'm living in a planet that's infested with fear and carnality and flesh. And all of that is strong at times. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I just say, Father, the life of Jesus is flowing in me. The power of God's working in me. The anointing of God's working in me. And, and center up on all of that. For we which live are always delivered unto death, verse 11, for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. That's the one I've got on now. That's the one you're wearing now. That's your mortal flesh. This is mortal, baby. Someday you'll put on immortality. The Bible says to be, if this building is torn down, or I would like to say it in my way, if you just vacate it because you're done with it, 
devil didn't force you out. You just say, I'm done, I'm, I'm done. Good night, bye. And you leave. Then it says we have a house made in heaven, eternal in the heavens. It said to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Talking about death now. We're talking about living out our life. We're talking about different things that we need to understand that it says here in verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. Well, we need to learn to be speaking. And we need to realize we have the same spirit of faith on us that was on these men in the Bible. Even on Paul and even on others. How many are listening to me? Let's go over here to Ephesians. I think I'm just about... I'm just about done. I know, I know you, thank you for giving me some liberty to talk to you tonight. I've been preaching for a while. There's more, but I think that's about all I'm, I can get out tonight that I need to talk about. And this will be our last session on that. You might want to get these CDs if you're interested. You gotta, I'll tell you something else. So we talked about it this morning a little. You're going to have to forgive people. Doesn't matter what they did to you. Maybe they made your life difficult. And people tried to sometimes. Or maybe they did make it. That's all right. Just forgive them. I said just forgive them. Maybe somebody abused you. Maybe somebody did something to you they should not have done. They should not have said. They should have not behaved like that. Just forgive them. Because unforgiveness will keep you in bondage and that will allow the devil to work in your life. You remember uh, Jesus, Peter, you know, Peter said, I think it's, I'm in Ephesians, but Ephesians 4, I'm going to read something. But I think it's Matthew 18 when Peter said to Jesus, well, how often does my brother come to me? Do I got to forgive him? How about seven? That ought to take care of it. How about seven? He said, 70 times seven, Peter, in a day. That's 490 times. So if somebody does something against you 490 times in a day and keeps coming back and saying, I'm sorry, forgive me, you're, you're, quite, you're, you're supposed to forgive them. Forgiveness does not deny the severity of the offense. Forgiveness does not deny the severity of the... In other words, somebody could have done something very severe against you. And by your forgiveness, you're not saying it wasn't severe. You're not saying it didn't hurt. You're not saying it didn't happen. But you're being a bigger person by releasing forgiveness into that situation instead of taking the bitterness and the hatred and the anger and the animosity and the revenge. And I'm going to get them back and, you know, type of attitude. How many know that's just not good? We read out of Genesis 50 this morning. I'm in Ephesians, but we read out of that word Joseph. I read that at the kitchen table this week and wept. I've read it before, but it never made me weep. How that his brothers, when, they, when the dad had left, you know, died, they realized, man, we're at his Joseph's discretion. We treated him terribly. We sold him to a slave group coming through the country. And they took him, put him on a slave auction there down in Egypt. He had to go to another country, another language, another culture. He was treated as a slave, then eventually got to Potiphar's house. And Potiphar saw the significance in him that everything he did prospered and was smart enough. He had some wisdom about Potiphar did to promote him in his own house. He didn't have a very good wife. She was wanting to be with this young Joseph guy. 
And when he wouldn't do that, she accused him of something he didn't do sexually, and he went to prison for that. Then he got in there and interpreted the dreams of the baker and the candlestick maker, whoever, you know, whatever they were. <laughs> Maybe that's a nursery rhyme, but <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> whoever, whatever. <laughs> Pretty accurate. <laughs> and, and they said, he said, remember me when you get out, tell Pharaoh. But they didn't tell Pharaoh. Not then, and he spent more time in prison. And, you know, I mean, the man was abused through his whole life, and yet at the end his, son, his brothers came and said to him, Forgive us this wrong. We were evil the way we treated you. Please forgive us. And he said, that, he said I'm going to nourish you and your children. What? I read that, I just thought, man, what? no wonder he was a man that was highly exalted of God. I'm going to take care of you, in other words. And not only that, I'm going to take care of your children. And he said, what am I, God? You're talking to the wrong guy here. You should be talking to God about your whatever you feel guilty about. Go talk to him. I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty accurate. And then it says he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. I just sat there and I thought all the people that I've heard about the abuses in families... 35 years I've heard people tell me, well, my dad did this to me. My mom did this to me. My da-da-da-da-da. My wife, my husband, my this, my that. And I thought, oh, brother. And we're supposed to be New Testament people. We're not even doing what Joseph did. <laughs> Gosh, I'm thinking. I just sat there and wept and said, God, help me to communicate this to this church. Because you can't live a long life and be bitter. You can't live a long life and be full of anger and hatred and you know, and things have been done that have been terrible to people. That's certainly true. Humanity's insane. If you don't know that, you're just not paying attention. That are carnal and natural-minded people. They're so selfish and lustful and demonic. They don't care anything about anybody but themselves. Take advantage of everything and everybody for their own self-gratification. Pretty low, pretty low esteem on that. I know, and I could go worse, but I'll just let it lay, lay there. I've seen it. I've seen it in humanity. I've seen it, unfortunately, sometimes in the church. Should have never been in the church. We should want to promote one another and help one another and be a blessing to each other. Lift up one another. Edify one another. Hallelujah. Mainly, though, lift up the scripture so people can get a hold of the standard and say, Praise God, I could do that. Hallelujah. Now, I'm in Ephesians. I'm closing with this. This is my second closing. Like a real estate person. This is my second closing. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 27. I'm going to give you a clue here to how to live a long life. Starting in verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give the devil, one translation says, any opportunity. One says don't give him an inch. One says don't give him a chance. Chance is not a good Bible word, but we understand what he means by that. Don't give him any opportunity to weasel into your life. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. The whole purpose in working is to have something to give to somebody that needs. And then let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, here it is, let all bitterness, because we're not going to give place to the devil... 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's key right there for living a long life. Just get rid of all the whatevers. Yeah, but I worked down there 15 years and they, 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 they just got rid of me and didn't give me anything. Well, that's all right. Did you, were you a good worker? Yeah, well then be quiet. You did your part. What's the problem? Amen. Amen. You know, quit, quit bringing up stuff all the time and just learn that God wants you to live a long life. A healthy life, a sound life, a strong life, a healed life. Say, I'm going to forgive everybody of everything. By my faith, I release them now. Yeah, praise God. That's right. Release them, release them, release them. Let's release them. Release them. Just release them. You know, my, my, I, I've thought about it, you know, in the past, you know, and, you know, and things will hang on you. You don't realize what's hanging on you. I know my dad left when I was, before I was born, you know, whatever. He wasn't interested in having babies. He knew how to produce them. That's about it. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't think that bothered me. And I got up about 30 years old and I had a pastor deal with me one time in a prayer line. And he said to me, I think you got some issues with your dad. And I said, I do not. I was very defensive. <laughs> yeah, I was real defensive. I thought, I'm a big boy. I've dealt with all that and everything, you know. And, and you know, I got back to my room, started praying. And the Lord started dealing with me. He said, yeah, you got, you got some issues. You're mad about it. Because you were rejected. See, you were rejected. How do you, how do you slice and dice that? You were rejected. By your own father. I don't want you. And when I did get in his life later, he never had time. He's running around doing whatever he did. I'm not trying to dishonor my father. I've got to watch what I say here as a balance. But I'm just talking about how that affected me. And I finally dealt with it. I put it to bed. I put it away. I put it to sleep. I said, no, I'm, I forgive. He didn't know any better. He's a young guy. He just trying, you know, full of, the, full of himself and the devil and whatever else and lust and stuff like that. And, God bless him. Tried to talk to him about Jesus. He cussed me out. When I got saved, when I was a drug addict, everything was great. And I'm smoking dope with him as an adult. Everything's fine. Getting drunk with him. I tried to talk to him about it. See, again, rejected. See, I'm trying to show you something here if you're listening. <laughs> now I'm 18, 19. Now I'm a drug addict and, you know, all that. Then rejected again. Then I get saved at 21. Tried to talk to him about Jesus. And he, boy, he scalded me one day. You know what I mean, verbally. Well, praise God. Just had to get over it. I said I just had to get over it. Talking to you about something here. Doesn't know what I'm talking about. And I can go on and on with different issues. I'm not trying to bring all that to the forefront. I'm trying to say you have to deal with things correctly. You just got to turn loose of it. You can't figure it out in your head. Well, why and what the whys, and I don't understand why, and da 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 and I don't. You're going to just run yourself ragged, and then you're going to end up being in a mess over it. Just forgive people. How many are listening to me? 
Learn to make good decisions for yourself. <clears throat> I, did, I didn't blame my dad for being a drug addict or an alcoholic. I was both. And a lot of other things I was, I won't mention. But see, you've got to learn to take responsibility for your own life. And other people, whatever level they were at, or their immaturity, or their rebellion, or their demonic whatever's on them, or whatever's, you just need to forgive them. And realize that you're free. No more chains holding me from now on. I am free. No, we're not living in a utopia per se. We're living in the earth. But we have a right to live a long life and finish clean and fulfill our course, finish our ministry with joy, Acts 20, 24 says. Finish with joy. It's one thing to finish, one thing to finish with joy. You ever been to an old folks' home talk to some of those people? Whoo! They are caustic. You know what caustic is? They're mean. Because they feel like people have rejected them, a bad marriage, children didn't turn out like they wanted. I don't know what all. God only knows. They could just go on and on for days with you on their tale of woe sometimes. And I feel sorry for them, but that's not the way you have to end up. God still has a good plan for every one of us here in this building tonight. And we can make decisions tonight that you can fulfill long life and peace and go home the Bible way. Be buried in a good old age full of peace. The Lord blessed you in all things. Hallelujah. And you know, you've got to think right about it. Now listen, if, you, if you're going to live this out, you know, most of your friends will be gone. You have to make some new ones. <laughs> Younger ones, probably. Unless somebody else has the same revelation. Isn't that right? I hope you got something out of this. Longevity. First time I've ever taught it. <laughs> Thank you. Stand up. Stand up with me a minute. Father, we thank you tonight for your plan for our lives and for all that you're doing in us. We give you the praise and the glory. May each person that's heard this tonight and other lessons that we've taught on it, may we purpose in our heart to fulfill and finish our course that you've given us, Father. I ask you to help them, every person here tonight. I thank you for our precious visitors tonight, this young lady and, and this young man back here. I thank you for them. I thank you for those that visited this morning. I thank you, Father, you're building our church. You're bringing people to us, our sons and daughters from afar, to be a part, to get planted in the house of the Lord. We thank you for the new members class coming up. We thank you for the meeting with Dr. Dufresne coming up. We thank you for Tuesday night coming up where we're going to talk about prayer and how to, how to pray for a meeting and how to respond in a meeting and how to uh, do what we need to do to prepare the house for Dr. Dufresne and Pastor Nancy. We thank you, Father, that all the needs are met. All the finances will come. And, Father God, we're going to have a great meeting. It'll be the best meeting we've ever had with Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy. We thank you for it. We bless you for it. I bless your people tonight. I declare over them they're the head, not the tail. They're above and not beneath. 
that they're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. That, Father God, your favor surrounds them like a shield. That you're enlarging them. That you're keeping them. They are kept by the power of God through faith. They're kept from every evil work and preserved under the heavenly kingdom. That they'll lay down in their beds tonight and rest well and sleep in peace. For you, Lord, alone make them to dwell in safety. I declare that over them and the angels of God to go with you tonight as you leave this place. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.